thanks so much. Um, anyway, we've been talking about how to read the scriptures, uh, primarily the Old Testament, because as you know, when, when Jesus walked the earth, when, when um, the apostles were following the Lord, there was no New Testament. There were no gospels written. There were no letters of Paul. Paul was still Saul at the time. So when they refer to the scriptures, they're talking about the Old Testament. And we talked about how the last chapter of Luke, how Jesus said, he, he opened, I love this verse where he says, he opened their understanding that they might understand the scriptures. Hey, Sally. And, um, and that's, and these were Jewish brothers who knew the scriptures. They knew the scriptures, but he opened their understanding that they could see something that was hidden in there they had never seen before. And it was the revelation of the Christ and his work. And so that before they would read scriptures that said, if you do these things, if you obey my commandments, if you do what is right, you shall be blessed. Because remember, blessing is a function of righteousness. Cursing is a function of unrighteousness. So if you're unrighteous, the curses were given to Israel. If you were righteous, the blessings were given to Israel. And so under the old covenant of law, God gave commandments to keep. And when they broke those commandments, they also had another set of commandments to keep. Those others, that other set of commandments had to do with the temple, the priesthood, and the sacrifices, which would cover their sins that they committed when they didn't keep all the commandments. But the temple, the priesthood, and the sacrifices were also laws, commandments to keep. It wasn't a matter of faith. They weren't doing this by faith. It was by law, by statutes. So the whole old covenant was law. Here's what you have to do to be righteous so you can be blessed. If you fail to do what is righteous, then here's what you can do to cover your unrighteousness. There are certain sacrifices for sins. There are certain ways to do it. There's a place to do it. So the whole thing was law. The whole thing. But it was God's way of dwelling among his people so he could bless them even though they were not really righteous. But he covered their sins temporarily. And Galatians says the law was added after this awesome promise to Abraham that blessing would come to the nations, to the families of all the earth because of your seed, Abraham. In your seed shall all the nations be blessed. Why? Because righteousness would come through the seed. Galatians says, not seeds as many, but as one, even Christ. So the law was added temporarily. This whole law structure was added temporarily. Commandments to keep to be righteous. And when you fail to keep commandments, commandments to keep to cover the unrighteousness. Sacrifices of lambs and bulls and goats. But to cover it, not to take it away. Temporarily added until the seed should come to whom the promise had been made. So when Christ came, he fulfilled all things. And now we can read the Old Testament. And when you read words in the Old Testament that says, if you do and you obey, you're righteous. We can say, but the righteousness which is by faith does not speak like that. Now we say, if you believe on the seed, on the Christ, you are righteous and therefore blessed. We are now blessed with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. And all the promises of God now, all the promises of God are yea and amen because we are obedient, because we are in Him. All the promises of God. See? Isn't that awesome? 
So to see the simplicity of the, the, the genius of God in this, now when we read the Old Testament, we can rightly divide the word of truth. Rightly dividing the word of truth simply means understanding the, t- the two covenants, understanding the covenant of grace and of law, so that when you read words that speak of a law, a law words of law, then you can change those words in your own mind, in your own heart, and say, but Christ has fulfilled that. And that's what we said last Sunday about how Paul changed the, ro- the words of Moses in Romans 10, when he quoted Moses, and Moses was giving the, the law to the children of Israel, and he said, remember he stood on the mountain, he gave the promises, he gave the, the, well, he gave the commandments, and he said, if you do these things, you'll be blessed. If you don't do these things, you'll be cursed. And when he gave the law to, to the children of Israel, he said, now don't say, who shall go into heaven to get us the law to keep? For Moses said, you have the law. You have no excuse. And he said, this is Deuteronomy 30. He says, and do not say, who shall descend to the depths of the sea to find out what God, God's will is so we can do it and keep it. He says, don't say that because you have it. The law has been given to you. It's even in your mouth, in your heart, in your mouth. I've given it to you. I've spoken it to you. And you spoke it back to me. It's in your mouth to do it. That's what Moses said. Blessing and cursing based on obedience to commandments. Then Paul takes those words from Deuteronomy and says in chapter 10 of Romans, but the righteousness which is by faith doesn't speak like that. And he... he, he recites that whole scene and he says, he says, this is how it should be worded now. Do not say, who shall ascend to the heavens and get, that is, he said, he changes it, that is Christ. For Christ has already come. And don't say, who shall descend to the depths, that is, to get Christ, for he is raised from the dead. This is the word of faith, which we preach, Paul says. It is even in your mouth and in your heart to, not to do it, but to believe it. For he who believes in his heart unto righteousness. Confession is made in salvation because what you believe, you see, or you speak. As we believe, therefore we speak. So, isn't that cool? Because the reason why he says Christ is because the commandments were a means to righteousness. Temporarily to show people, show primarily Israel, that they could not keep the law. They couldn't do it. So that every mouth would be stopped, the scripture says. And so this reference to Christ himself is a, is a picture of true righteousness has come in the person of Christ. Not something to do in order to have it, but to receive one who is it. If you want to say it that way. Does that make sense? Oh, awesome. All right, let's, I want to look at a verse. Let's say, hey, Tiffany. Let's pray real quick. Hey, Jim. Hey, Lori. Let's pray real quick, and then um, let's jump in. I want to look at a verse in Peter. I think it would be a blessing. Lord, thank you so much for helping us see these things. I pray that we would have eyes to see, ears to hear. The enemy seeks to blind, and you seek to open the eyes. That's the battle. Blindness and sight. Blindness and sight. Even as you sent Paul to open the eyes of the blind, Jesus himself. Lord, you said, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. 
to open the eyes of the blind. Help us see clearly that there might be a certain sound that we might speak with boldness of the triumph of the Christ. Jesus, thank you, Lord, for the reality of the new covenant of grace. He who has received this abundant grace and the gift of righteousness shall reign in life by one Christ Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for eyes to see, ears to hear. Amen. Let's look at this uh, in Peter. I think you'll really enjoy this. Peter. Did anyone get a chance to read that yet? The uh, Deuteronomy 30 and the Romans 10 and compare those verses you did? Isn't that awesome? I, I really I think it's so cool to study that yourself. And we'll look at it too, maybe one Sunday here. But it's so cool to read it for yourself and see what Moses said and how Paul changed his words in Romans 10 to reflect the righteousness which is by faith. So cool. Okay, let's look at Peter, please. I think it's First Peter. Let's see. Actually, Second Peter. I'm sorry. Second Peter, chapter one. Verse 16, 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 16. Well, let's go back to 12. This is so good. Let's go verse 12. This is chapter 1, 2 Peter, verse 12. Peter's writing here. He says, For this reason, I will not be negligent to remind you always of these things, though you know and are established in the present truth. Isn't it great to always be reminded of the truth? Yeah. See, he says, I know you know these things, and I know you're, you're established, but, I, but it's important that I remind you of these things. And that's what the Passover is all about, the, the bread and the wine. Do this in remembrance of me, the Lord said. It's so important because the enemy wants to cause us to forget. Okay, verse 13. Yes, I think it is right, as long as I am in this tent. I love that. Do you see yourself as living in a tent? And the, the tent's not who you are, right? It's just a tent. Awesome. To stir you up by reminding you the power of remembrance. Remember we talked about a long time ago, Revelation talks about the two wings of the great eagle. The two wings of the great eagle being the Holy Spirit that brings the woman to the place that was prepared for her, that she might be hidden from the face of the serpent, the place God prepared, which is Christ. The two wings of the, of the great eagle, the Holy Spirit. And I believe those two wings are Revelation and Remembrance. Revealing and remembering. Revealing, remembering. Jesus said the Holy Spirit comes to remind you, to bring to remembrance the things that I've spoken to you. First we have to see it, then we have to remember it. Isn't that cool? It's that simple. It's so powerful. Verse 14, knowing that shortly I must put off my tent. I love that. I must put off my tent just as our Lord Jesus Christ showed me. The Lord revealed to Peter that the day would come when someone would take him by the hand in a place where he didn't want to go. He was talking about his death, his, his, his martyrdom. So the Lord already showed Peter that his, his death would come for the gospel. Verse 15, Moreover, I will be careful to ensure that you always have a reminder of these things after my decease. He says it again. A reminder, a reminder, a reminder. So powerful. 
And you know, that's one of the major works of the body of Christ. When we gather together to remind each other of the truth, to remind each other of who we are in him. Paul says, acknowledge the good thing that is in your brother and sister that is in there by Christ Jesus. It's one of the dynamics of the new covenant church, which is not hap- doesn't happen very often in churches around the world, I'm saying. Because if you don't see the truth, you don't speak the truth. If you don't see your brother as a new creation, you're not going to tell him he's a new creation. You see? If you're, if you're sin conscious, you're looking for sin in yourself, you're looking for sin in your brother, all you have, all you have to do is, all you have is bad news. You just fl- it's flesh. It's knowing each other after the flesh, not after the spirit. And it's just, it's death. But Jesus, but uh, Paul said, acknowledge the good thing that is in each one of us, which is there by Christ Jesus, and encourage each other. Isn't that awesome? Betty just encouraged me this morning. She saw Christ in me, and, and uh, it just encouraged me, you know? We should encourage each other and speak it boldly and say, man, I just see the patience of Jesus in you, and I, I see God's favor in, on you. I see God's love in you. I see that's so powerful. It's so important. That's one of the main things of the body of Christ to encourage each other, as Hebrews says, as you gather together, encourage each other as the day approaches and remind each other of who we are in him. It's so powerful. Okay. Here we go. This is verse 16. For we did not follow cunningly devised fables when we made known to you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but were eyewitnesses of his majesty. Now, now Paul, I mean, Peter is about to describe here the scene Jesus brought Peter and John and James up to the, this high mountain. The other nine disciples, uh, apostles stayed behind. He brought these three up to show them something very powerful. He said just before this, he said, there are some standing here who shall not die before they see the kingdom of heaven come with power. He's about to show them a small piece of of, a visible manifestation of the kingdom of heaven coming in power. Okay, here we go. Verse 17, for he received from God the Father honor and glory when such a voice came to him from the excellent glory. I love that. That's, what, that's how Peter described this, this awesome cloud. Remember that in the Gospels, a, a cloud came down, a shining cloud. Remember there was Moses and there was Elijah who appeared and Jesus, and they were speaking about his soon exodus. In the Greek it says his soon exodus, which would also be their exodus from Sheol. He says here, from the excellent glory, a voice came. This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. And we heard this voice which came from heaven when we were with him on the holy mountain. And so we have, now this is so cool. Well, let me finish reading the 19. And so we have the prophetic word confirmed, which you do well to heed as a light that shines in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. Awesome. Revelation. Now look, this is so awesome. Now I've, I've heard preachers say, especially those, I love what Clark is doing right now about looking at the Logos 
and the rhema, the scripture and the voice of God. I love that because there are people that kind of worship the Bible in such a way where it's like God doesn't speak anymore. We just have the Bible. You know, if you got to, you know, it's just a book. God basically has given us a book and we have to read the book and learn the principles and try to apply the principles. And, you know, you're kind of like on your own, you know, but God, Paul says we are not like those who have dumb idols. When he talks about the gifts of the Spirit, he said, we're not those who have like dumb idols. And he's not talking about, he's not saying stupid idols. He's saying idols that cannot speak. Mute, dumb, mute. They cannot speak. He said, we are not as the Gentiles who have dumb idols. We have a God who speaks. A living God who speaks. That's what he means in the Corinthian letter. Because we don't, we don't have dumb idols. We have a living God who speaks. And then he goes right, in, right under that into the list of the gifts of the Spirit. The word of wisdom. The word of knowledge. Healing. Leading of the Spirit. God speaks. I love that. What Clark is doing now. And, and, and emphasizing what a lot, of, in a lot of circles in churches don't believe. That God actually speaks today. That you, it's all in the book. And if it's not in the book, you know. No. That's God speaks. And so this is so cool because right here he says, Peter says, we heard the voice from heaven, which made the prophetic word more sure. And the King James says more sure or confirmed and the New American Standard. What I've heard preachers say in the, from this verse, they say, you see, you see where it says that we have the prophetic word made more sure. They say that means that the Bible is more sure than if you heard a voice from heaven. Totally opposite what this is saying. I don't know if you've heard that, that argument before, but I've heard sermons that say, see, the Bible is so powerful that even if it's a voice from heaven, Peter's saying here that the more sure thing is the written word. No, that's not what he's saying. Peter is saying that the prophetic word that came through the prophets, God spoke through the prophets, in the scriptures, has been made more sure because we didn't have a prophet speaking to us. It was the voice of God himself. In other words, there was no middleman. The voice came from the excellent glory. The Father said, this is my son. See? Which means the meaning of all prophecy is the revelation of Jesus. The book of Revelation says that the Spirit of all prophecy. This is the book of Revelation. The spirit of all prophecy is the testimony of Jesus. Isn't that awesome? Isn't that awesome? And now, now you understand what Peter's saying in the next verse. He says, well, no, first let me finish this. Oh, verse 19. This is so cool. So he's saying here, take heed to these scriptures that have hidden in them the testimony of the Christ. Because they are like a lamp. The scriptures are like a lamp that shines in a dark place in this world. A dark place in this world. The scriptures, because hidden in those scriptures is the revelation of Jesus. That's why Jesus said to the Pharisees, you had the key of knowledge, which is the scriptures. You had it. And you, hind- you did not enter in yourself. You did not believe. And you hindered those who also who were trying to enter in. The key of knowledge there is the scriptures. You had it. The Gentiles didn't have the scriptures. They didn't have the voice of God. They didn't have the own paper. They didn't have the word. They didn't have the scriptures, see? And so here's, he's saying here, do you do well to heed as a light that shines in a dark place, a lamp or a light, the scriptures, okay? Until when? Imagine a lamp giving you light in the dark and the lamp gives way to the sunrise. You see it? 
The scriptures speak of the Christ. But God wants you and I both to have the same personal voice as they had a voice that said, this is my son. It's speaking of a revelation personally within so that the lamp gives way to the morning star that rises in our hearts. The morning star is a reference to the sun. The morning star. The sun's a star. The morning star is the sun. The sunrise from on high has visited us. We who sat in darkness and has given us a great light has come. You see? So as we meditate on the scriptures and we see the Christ in the scriptures, a miracle happens on the inside of us. A revelation awakens. And just as Peter and James and John heard the voice, this is my beloved son, in a similar way, we have a revelation within of who he is and his finished work. Isn't that awesome? Peter's actually saying that what is outside of you, the lamp, the scripture, what is outside of you will become within you. He said, your hearts within you, a day dawning within. Isn't that awesome? That's the promise. Take heed to the scriptures of the prophets because they speak of him. And as we, as we are meditating on those scriptures and we see him, Within, the, the light shines brighter and brighter into the perfect day. And what does that do? What does that mean? It means that we enter into such a deep rest, a deep rest, that we know, that we know, that we know, that we have the righteousness of God. And therefore, we are blessed. And therefore, we can rest. And even, but beyond that, That's just the door. Beyond that, we know that we know that we know Abba. He's my daddy. He's my daddy. He's my daddy. We're sons, daughters, heirs, not because of our performance. He's my daddy. And no matter what problem I have, no matter what struggle we have. And we are our worst enemy. I think, I, I think my biggest enemy is my flesh. Me. I mean, the enemies out here, I think I can handle pretty much with God's help, you know. It's my weaknesses that scare me sometimes. And it scares all of us because it's the flesh. But you know what? It doesn't scare him. He knows, he knows, he knows. He has no confidence in my flesh. He has no confidence in me. He's never disappointed in me because he has no expectations with me. Isn't that awesome? You can, you can fail over and over again like they did around Jesus all the time. And he, ne- he, didn't, he never said, oh, Peter, I'm so disappointed in you. Well, why didn't Jesus ever say something like that? Why did he always say something like, Peter, don't be afraid, just come to me. Don't be afraid, believe. Don't be afraid, come, come to me, to me, to me, to me. Because the Father's confidence is in his Son who is inside of us. And that's why Peter had to learn that when Peter says, I'll die for you. I'll fight for you. I'll da, 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 da. And Jesus said, oh, Peter, before the morning comes, you'll deny that you even know me three times. But I prayed for you. That your faith would fail not. Faith in me, Peter, because it's not about you, Peter. It's not your strength. And when you are strengthened, encourage your brothers. Amen. Jesus saw through it all to the end when he was preaching at Pentecost. Isn't that awesome? He has no confidence in our flesh. He has every confidence in his, the life of his son. Therefore, he's never disappointed with me. 
Isn't that awesome? And when Jesus does live through me and, and the glory of God shines and his love and his kindness and his fruit is coming forth, it's, it's the sun. So it's like, oh God, thank God you're living through me. So no flesh can glory in his presence. And it's just, it's just a rest. It's a rest for his children. Isn't that awesome? Okay, so then he goes here. Okay, last two verses here. Knowing this first, that no prophecy of Scripture is of any private interpretation. For prophecy never came by the will of man, but holy men of God spoke as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. Now what Peter is saying there is that there's no private interpretation uh, of these Scriptures. There's not all these different interpretations. If the interpretation of the Scriptures does not lead to the conclusion of the testimony of Jesus, it's the wrong interpretation. You see that? That's why he said in the beginning, the voice said, this is my son, hear him. This is my son in whom I am well pleased. And then he says, know this, this, the the prophecy, the prophetic word, the spirit of all prophecy is a testimony of Jesus. It's not of any private interpretation because God was moving through these men and speaking the same truth that spoke from the excellent glory. Therefore, if it doesn't match up with with the focus on Christ himself, it's not the right interpretation. Isn't that cool? Because many people would come in later, in the, even in our day, you know, with different interpretations of the Old Testament that lead you astray from Jesus himself, from the focus of Christ himself. Another gospel, Paul said, which is not another. Amen. So anyway, I just, I just want to share those, those verses today. But isn't it cool to see um, clearly the scripture, the Old Testament scriptures? God is opening our understanding of the scriptures so we actually see his son it's almost like have you guys seen that magic eye thing where if you stare past this thing and your eyes stare straight ahead this this image appears have you tried that it's so cool it's like you just look at look at this weird gyration of and then as you look like past the paper your eyes and this image takes shape it's it's really cool it's like wow and you can actually look around it like actually can you, know, you can look around wow that's cool because your eyes are like focused in the right place i guess that's the way the scriptures are it's like hidden hidden in the scriptures is the revelation of, of jesus himself of the christ and the fact that we are that he has made us as he is which is almost too hard to believe too good to believe but when we put on those glasses by the spirit we see him and no man can take that away from you once you see it once you see it it's like what they what what somebody once said that a mind stretched with a new idea never returns to its original shape it's like that revelation is like that once once the revelation comes it you can never go back you can never go back right tiffany it's so cool You know what's so cool about seeing him? There's joy. Isn't that cool? When you see him, there's joy. There's joy. One Sunday, I want to talk about how this, about seeing him and look at how the enemy has worked from the very beginning in the garden. He sought to blind their eyes. He blinded their eyes to God and opened their eyes to themselves. 
They saw their nakedness for the first time. And men are born into this world thinking they see. But they see with the eyes of the serpent. They see only through the flesh. And that's why Jesus came to open the eyes of the blind. That's why Paul had scales fall off his eyes. It's so cool to see the focus of our calling is to help people see. Not to try to change their behavior, but to help them see. And when they see, God does the rest. Awesome. Lord, thank you so much. You're helping us see more and more. Lord Jesus, thank you that you are opening our eyes to understand the scriptures. Lamb of God, who took away the sin of the world. Remind us, Lord. Remind us of the truth. Strengthen the brothers and sisters, Lord. As we gather together today in worship, I pray that each one of us here and all the saints that will gather together at Grace Church, all at this meeting today, Lord, that somehow we will realize that we're singing not from earth, but from heaven. We're not trying to get to heaven. We are seated with you in heavenly places. Let each one of us sing from heaven and to the earth, proclaiming the goodness of God. For we are not from below anymore, but from above. Behold the great work of the Son of God. Thank you, Lord. You are head, we your body. Witnesses of the invisible kingdom. The kingdom has come within by the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, thank you, Lord. Amen.